You're listening to an audio sermon by Pastor Bernard Milder from Household of Christ. We trust that you will be encouraged and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. As I was meditating about this week, what to minister to God's people, I, I became aware of so many people that are discouraged. And when somebody is discouraged, they cannot really be used by God. So I actually wanted to minister on that God cannot use a discouraged Christian. But what is the reason why people are discouraged? Many are discouraged because they're offended. And if you're offended, you cannot finish strong. Because offense affects every area of your life. If you're offended with a person at work, that offense in your heart will have an effect at your house. If you may be offended with a sister, that offense will roll over and affect your work your marriage, your relationship with your children. And I've realized that the times that we find ourselves in, so many people are offended. It's one of the signs of the end times. The Bible says in the last days, knowledge will increase. The book of Daniel says knowledge will increase. And the book of Corinthians teaches us that knowledge puffs up. But it's love that edifies us. What is the reason that so many people are offended? They lack real love. If you have love, you will not get offended easy. The Bible says, in the last days. And I think one thing that we know is we find ourselves in the last days. The Bible says, in the last days, people will become offended. They will hate each other. It will be one of the signs. And it's not just Christians, it's everybody. It's so easy to get offended. Offense comes to everybody. Luke chapter 17 verse 1. It says, offense will come to everybody. Nobody is bulletproof when it comes to offenses. And it's one of the things that keep us back so much. With the band, we've been dealing with offenses, giving them teachings for the past five weeks. Every week, dealing with offenses, five weeks. Because if they can clear their hearts... If they have a pure heart, you'll see God. If their hearts are pure, they can worship better. Because you have to worship God in spirit and in truth with your heart. But when your heart is contaminated with offenses, with bitterness, with unforgiveness, how can you worship God in the right way? Even at the men's prayer, we've been dealing with offenses. And we've dealt with offenses before. But just because you've dealt with offenses once in your life, doesn't mean you can never get offended again. So it's very important that we teach God's people how to deal with offenses. You might be sitting here and saying, I'm not offended. Or, I'm not easily offended. Okay, let me rephrase the question. Who of you know that you get offended very quickly and easily? Let me just tell you the truth. South Africans get offended very quickly. We're an emotional nation. We have very great expectations. Very high expectations. When you have very high expectations, your chances to get offended is much higher. We're offended with God. Because when you have an expectation that God should do something, and He doesn't do it, you can get offended with Him. No, not me. Yes, you. If John the Baptist who heard the Father speak from heaven, say, this is my Son, in whom I'm well pleased. He had the revelation that it's the Christ, the Messiah, who has come to set the captives free. 
when he found himself in prison. He sent his disciples to Jesus and said, I've been taken captive. I'm in prison. I'm giving you my version. I heard from heaven. Your father said, you're the anointed one. I had the revelation that you are the Messiah. Come and set me free. I've been taken captive. And Jesus said to him, I'm busy with what I'm supposed to do. I know you think I must come and take you out of prison. I'm busy doing. I am setting the captives free. Those that are bound are now delivered. Those that cannot walk are walking. Those that cannot hear are hearing. I'm busy with my father's business. Go and tell John, blessed is he who is not offended because of me. We want to say to God, you must help me this day, in this way, with so much, by then. And we're telling God what he should do, and if he doesn't do it, we get offended. This is just God. You've placed the same high expectations on people. You've been working at your new job for how long? Five years? Three years? Coming in earlier? Leaving later? Training people, helping them? And now the junior that you've trained gets the promotion. Whereas you think, I should have got it. And you have an expectation, that position should be mine. And you even pray and you claim and you frame it and you fast it. And somebody else gets it. Now you're angry with your boss and with God. And now you come to church. Pastor, pray for me. Breakthrough. So I think let's start quickly by just answering the first question. Are you offended or not? Let's just answer that question. Are you offended or not? Remember, offense is not something that you can see. It sits in the heart of man. So offense is not something that you can see. It, it, it's, a, it's like a root that's under the ground. You cannot see it. But the thing about a root, it grows upwardly, and then you can see the fruit. So what is the fruit of somebody that's offended? Can we look at the fruit of somebody that's offended? Because people always try and cover up that they're offended. I'm not offended. When we talk about Christianity, we're talking about the, your heart, the purity of your heart. Even when you smile and you greet somebody, Hello, Noma, how are you? If I'm angry with her, even if I'm smiling and greet, God will look at my heart and see if it's a genuine smile and if it's a fake smile. Sometimes people can even see it. Some of you, when you come to church, you see the one brother on the left-hand side of the building, you go to the right-hand side of the building. <laughs> Nobody can see you're offended. You're greeting, hello, hello. But just that shows already there's something in your heart towards that brother. Offense is not given. It's taken. So when offense comes your way, you take it or you leave it. So let's answer the first question. Are you offended or not? Remember I said the statistic that shows that very few people align their lives with the word of God. Your obedience to the word of God is the only proof of your faith. The Israelites that were obedient, they entered the promised land. 
But because of their disobedience that resulted into unbelief, they never entered into the promised land. So many people say, and they know they have to go to the promised land, but the thing that will keep them back is offense. Hebrews 12, verse 14 to 15. I'm reading from the Passion Translation. In every relationship, every relationship, be swift to choose peace over competition. So what is he saying? He's saying in all your relationships, whether it's with your spouse, your boss, friends, family, pursue peace. Over competition. Don't be in competition with people around you. And run swiftly towards holiness. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Watch over each other to make sure that no one misses the revelation of God's grace. And make sure no one lives with the root of bitterness sprouting within them, which will only cause trouble and poison the hearts of many. The New King James says, by which many became defiled. Cause trouble and poison the hearts of many. Ask yourself, am I a troublemaker? Ask yourself, where I go, am I poisoning people's hearts about other people? If you are poisoning people's hearts, you have a root of bitterness. Bitterness is the root. Defiling and poisoning people's hearts is the fruit. So if I go and I say, Uncle Simon, I'm poisoning his heart. If you are talking bad about people the whole time, you're offended. A matter of fact, you are much more than offended. You have a root of bitterness in your heart already. Because you first take offense. Once you have offended, resentment comes. What is resentment? Resentment is when I'm keeping somebody at a distance. They walk in the left-hand side of the church, you go to the right-hand side of the church. Just keeping them at a distance. Not greeting them, just staying away from them. Not being nasty, not being ugly, not shouting. You just, it's an attitude in the heart, resentment. From resentment comes unforgiveness. So you get offended, resentment, unforgiveness. After unforgiveness, is bitterness. After bitterness is hatred. So when you start talking ugly about a person, you're not resentment anymore, you're just keeping it at a distance. You now feel you have to start to say something. So that offense has come into your heart. Those words have settled now, and now it's starting to manifest. This person is doing this again. Every day you get home after work, you're on the phone calling. Can you believe what this person I did again today? And you're so offended with your work, with your boss, and you wonder why things are not working out. Let me ask you this question. Will you go one week without taking a bath? Would you take one month without taking a bath? Would you go one year without washing yourself? But yet, some of you have been holding on to offenses, not allowing the Word of God to wash you and cleanse you. You want your worship to be a sweet fragrance and aroma that will please God. But the stench of the offense is affecting it. Many of us, during the week, we walk with our buckets of sewage of offense. We walk with it the whole day. People can smell it. Then on a Sunday, we throw it out. 
and you quickly get some spring water in the bucket. Now you come to church. Will you drink of that water? Although it's clear spring water, you will taste the sewage in it even if you drink of it. That's offense. You've imprisoned yourself with offense, but you want to move forward. You want to move forward into a greater future, a better things that God has planned for you, but you're still holding on to the hurts of the past. And now you've become bitter. You're at a place where you almost want to hate somebody. Offense is one of our greatest enemies. You know, when you have great expectations, it's easier to get offended. That's why so many husbands and wives get offended with each other. Because your biggest expectations comes from your spouse. You want them to behave in a certain way, do certain things. When you don't expect a person to behave in a certain area, it even hurts you more. That's why there's so much divorce, because of offense. People not valuing relationships. The reason why people get offended so quickly is a lack of love. A lack of love. The love in people's hearts growing cold and dull. We don't have love for one another. Now we get frustrated and irritated with each other. And it keeps us back. Family, the Bible says offense will come to everybody. Offense will come to everybody. The biggest mistake that we make is we say, this is me. This is how we are. Our family, we just like it. You're talking absolutely nonsense, man. What you're actually saying is you don't want to change to be like Jesus. Because when you say you're a Christian, his character must be formed on the inside of you. Jesus was in a moment of pain and he had to make a decision to forgive. So you in your moment of pain can also make a decision to forgive. The reason you don't want to forgive is pride. I'm right and you are wrong. Now a brother offends you. You are angry with him. Say I'm offended with brother Pierre here. I'm offended. He's not offended. I'm offended. Now we want to be very spiritual. Father, thank you. I know that I have an offense. Help me to resolve this. Can you please go speak to Brother Pierre to come to me and say sorry? Or something like, Lord, help my boss to see that he was wrong and that he should give me the promotion and not this person. <laughs> and we want to be so spiritual about it. You're offended. If you're offended, you're wrong. You have to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. The thing is, when you don't humble yourself and you walk in pride, God will resist you. He says He shows mercy to those who show mercy. But if there's pride in your heart, will resist you. Can you see the trap of the enemy? The Bible says the devil walks around seeing who he may devour. But he doesn't devour anybody. As Christians, because God is your shield and protection. But when you're offended, you will use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh and you'll start to bite and devour people. 
There's no need for the devil to bite and devour anybody as Christians are busy biting, devouring each other because of offense. And this is the thing that keeps people back more than anything else. Let me hear you pray. Say, Precious Father, fill me with your love until it overflows to others. Fill me with your love until it overflows to others. Let me read from James chapter 3. It says, Out of the same mouth we pour out words of praise one minute and curses the next. My brothers and sisters, this should never be. Would you look for olives hanging on a fig tree or go to pick figs from a grapevine? You know what he's saying there? He's saying, would you look for olives hanging on a fig tree? He says, you cannot produce the anointing that change people's lives by holding on to the law. The fig tree speaks of the law. He says you cannot produce anointing by being legalistic. He says, nor can you find the fruit of the vine on a fig tree. We, Jesus is the vine and we are the branch. He says that's how close you are to God. Your life should come from Him. He says if you... Connected in that way, it will always be sweet. It is impossible that fresh and bitter water can flow out of the same spring. So neither can a bitter spring produce fresh water. If you consider yourself to be wise and one who understands the ways of God, advertise it with a beautiful, fruitful life, guided by wisdom's gentleness. Never brag or boast about what you've done, and you'll provide that you're truly wise. But if there is bitter jealousy or competition hiding in your heart, then don't deny it and try to compensate for it by boasting and being phony. For that has nothing to do with God's heavenly wisdom, but can best be described as the wisdom of this world, both selfish and devilish. So wherever jealousy and selfishness are uncovered, you will also find many troubles and every kind of meanness. But the wisdom from above is always pure, filled with peace, considerate, and teachable. It is filled with love and never displays prejudice or hypocrisy in any form, and it always bears the fruitful harvest of righteousness. Good seeds of wisdom's fruit will be planted with peaceful acts by those who cherish making peace. Family, offense brings limitations in your life. Just because you're making jokes doesn't mean you're not offended. Many people cover up their offenses with jokes. And sometimes people are more mean with little jokes that they make than anything else. It is a sign of offense. Because if you love, you'll not make jokes that breaks people down. Offense is negative communication. Negative words. Words that are negative breaking down is when you are cursing somebody. There's no such thing as neutral communication. You are either lifting up or you are breaking down. You're either blessing or you are cursing. It says if you believe that you are blessed, then if your heart is filled with that, bless people with your mouth the whole time. It says, but because of that offense that comes into our hearts, it displaces, it pushes out the love of God. And now we don't speak from a rich treasure of love, but bitterness, offense. And you filter everything through offense. You look at everything through offense. And that offense limits you. 
Because now you think people are against you. When you go to work with an offense, it will keep you back. Because you're thinking about those things now that's happening at home or at work or with that brother. And when you're supposed to function at your full capacity, you cannot do it. The offense is keeping you back. You've been taken captive. Many of you have not been promoted at work because you're offended. You're always gossiping, talking about people. This one is like this, this one is like this. And you think you have the right to say it. And maybe they have done those things, but don't take the offense. Put it behind you and move forward. James 4, verse 6 to 8. Pride is the one thing keeping people back. Not to say sorry, not to let go of the offense. I am right. The person that's offended and the person that offends, both of them need forgiveness. Fathers, let me talk to you for one minute. You being offended, you not forgiving, are not only putting yourself in bondage and limiting yourself, but you're putting those same limitations on your wife and your children. Parents that don't want to let go of an offense, you are teaching your children to hold on to an offense. It will affect them in their lives in the future. We are right now with our curriculum for the children's church, working in offenses and how to deal with offenses on every level, that from a young age we can train our children to have a heart that does not bear grudges. A heart that is quick to forgive. Because most of us have trained our hearts from a young age to have a little black book where we write our name. We don't talk to auntie so-and-so anymore. She upset mommy. We don't go to uncle so-and-so's house. He made us angry. You may not have a physical book, but in your heart you have purposed all those things towards certain people. Yes. Just be honest and wave at me if you know what I'm talking about. Yes. You're offended. Yes. You're limiting yourself. You know the parable. If you go to Matthew 18, Jesus is busy talking to his disciples. He's telling them keys and secrets of heaven. He says, if the two of you can agree upon anything, it will be done by my Father in heaven. Peter says, Lord, this is not very easy. For this to be able to happen, there must be peace between me and this person. So what should I do to make sure that there's peace between the two of us, that we have one mind, of one heart, of one spirit? Should I forgive my brother seven times a day if he does anything wrong? Remember, Peter is the one who had the revelation that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus, Peter is the one who walked on water. He was, it was, seems like he's like a step ahead of the other disciples. You know, he's had this revelation. He's walked on water. So now they are talking about doing great things for God. And he says, Lord, should I forgive my brother seven times a day? And Jesus says to him, no. Not seven times a day, Peter. Seventy times seven. You know what that means? It means if you stay away for 24 hours, you stay awake for 24 hours, you're going to have to forgive that brother every three minutes for the same thing. What he is saying, he says, don't come and say, I'm going to forgive you if you do something wrong. He says, start to walk in forgiveness. That before somebody has wronged you, you have forgiven them already. 
You've purposed in your heart not to take offense. Can you imagine somebody 490 times in one day doing the same thing? Maybe by number 333. <laughs> Something's going to happen. <laughs> but Jesus says, walks in forgiveness. And then immediately goes and he tells the parable of a servant that owed a hundred talents to his master. Now that, if you calculate that, it has to do with what you could carry. But if you had to place a value on that in today's money, it's $14.5 billion. It's a debt that you cannot pay back. But just before that, the master says, Take this man and his wife and his children. Take them captive. It's something here. Fathers, decisions that we make can imprison our wives and even our children. So those attitudes in your heart can have an effect on your whole family. But this man begs his master. And his master has compassion on him and he says, I forgive you. You don't have to pay that debt. He's telling us the debt you cannot pay back, I have forgiven you. The debt of our sin cannot be paid back. But Jesus canceled that debt in our lives. And immediately after that, he meets up with somebody that owes him a hundred denarii. Now a hundred denarii, just to put it in perspective, a day's wage was one denarii. So a hundred denarii is almost a third of your annual income would be a hundred denarii. So you know what you earn in a year. It's a lot of money if they owe you, if, if a third of that has to be taken away and somebody owes you that money, it's a lot of money. Am I right? So he meets up with this guy. It's a lot of money. And this guy asks him, please forgive me. And he says, no. That is a debt that can be paid back, although it's a lot. It can be paid back. If you make an arrangement, you can pay it back. But 14.5 billion, you cannot pay that back. And he says, and when the master finds out what he has done, he says, take him and hand him over to the torturers until he has paid his debt back. Is that ever going to happen? No. What are the torturers? It's demons. Many people are being tortured daily. And they come and they say, I need deliverance. Pastor, pray for me. And we pray for you and you come back. The prayer doesn't work. Nothing has changed. I'm anointing myself. This anointing stuff doesn't work. This pray stuff doesn't work. Deliverance doesn't work. And you start to blaspheme. Because you're still holding on to your offense. You're giving the devil legal right. You have your part to play for the torturers in your life. Some of you don't need to come for deliverance. You just need to let go of the offense. And you'll be set free. Your heart is your responsibility. Some of you just have to let go of some offenses. Offense will limit you. You come and you say, please pray for me for the spirit of limitation. Let go of your offense and your limitation will be away. We sit in a society where we categorize sin. 
we think, oh, this person is this. I'm not as bad as him. God should bless me and not help him. Oh, this guy. You know, he's drinking. He's an alcoholic. He's a drunkard. Ah, and this person is an adulterer. Hello? And we categorize sin. And what we think is the worst sins is not even on God's list at the top. God's list at the top is relationships. Let me show it to you from the Bible. Turn with me in your Bibles to Proverbs 6, and I want you to underline it in your Bible. Some people sit in marriage relationships where it's really hectic and horrible. It's not even mentioned here. But let me show you what is mentioned. Family, it's deadly to feed on offenses. It will keep you back. Proverbs 6 verse 16. I'm reading from the Passion Translation. There are six evils God truly hates. And a seventh that is an abomination to Him. So God hates these things. He says it's evil. It's an abomination to Him, the seventh. Putting others down while considering yourself superior. Thinking you're better than others. Spreading lies and rumors. Can you see how many of people's problems are tongue problems? Spilling the blood of the innocent. Plotting evil in your heart towards others. Gloating over doing what's plainly wrong. You do something wrong and you say you got away with it. Spouting lies in false testimony and stirring up strife between friends. These are entirely despicable to God. The New King James says, These things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are abomination to Him. A proud look. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. You are scheming how you are going to hurt this person or destroy this person or overthrow his business or cause damage to him. Feet that are swift in running to evil. A false witness who speaks lies. One who sows discord among brethren. The thing that God calls an abomination is the person that causes discord between brothers. He says, this is an abomination. This is an evil thing that you do. He says, this ought not to be. You know, the Bible says, by means of a whisperer, the best of friends are separated. You're just saying something. Hey, did you hear what this person did? They said this about you. They're telling you your dress is nice. But behind your back, they're saying the dress is ugly that you're going to wear. Whisperer separating the best of friends. This person says that they like you. They don't really like you. They say it's not nice to be with you. But you think it's nice. Whispering. Separating the best of friends. If this is the kind of seeds that you are sowing the whole time, causing discord, separating the best of friends, if this is the seeds that you are planting, what will happen to the relationships that you need in the future to reach your full potential. Because everything that God has made is linked to one another. If the devil can get a wedge between you and people, you cannot function. Because no man is made to be an island. Can you see the need to let go of an offense? You have no excuse as a Christian to hold an offense. What you are going through, what people have said about you and done to you, 
compared to what Jesus went through, what is that? Nothing. And as Christ forgave, we should forgive. Family, if you say I've dealt with the offense and it's dealt with, you will not tell the story over. If you're still telling the story over, it's still in your heart. Because when Jesus forgives, he forgets. So make a decision not to repeat the story. If you still see the person and it hurts, you still need to deal with it. If you see the person and they, you don't want to spend time with them, you're still offended. Let's just say it straight. You've not dealt with it. Some of you have been so offended for such a long time with certain family members. You don't even know why you're offended with them. You just can't remember, I don't spend time with you. You have some friends. I don't know why we're angry with you, but I just know we don't do things together. Some of the parents, family members that you don't spend time with or want to see, your children don't even know what the story is. They just don't know we don't talk to that part of the family. But on Sunday, you go to church and you worship. You want to give your testimony. It's the reason why many people's faith don't work the way it's supposed to work. Because faith works through love. And if you cannot love, it's not the kind of faith that pleases God. It's that kind of faith that becomes a clinging symbol. But we have faith. I can feel the faith. Who? Love. Love. Offense is one of the most destructive weapons. Family, the person that's offended and the person that's offending both need forgiveness. So maybe you say, well, I don't take offense, but how many people are you offending through your actions and your behavior and things that you are saying? You cannot deliberately offend people. There's two kinds of Christians. There are those that rely on God's strength and say, Lord, help me. And they can be successful and they can advance in life and they can forgive people and they don't keep grudges. Then there are Christians that say they are Christians, but they are easily offended. They experience limitations in every area of their life. They use their liberty as an opportunity for the flesh by which they bite and devour. If you start doing that, you're a Christian, but you're under the control of the devil. If I am using my words to kill relationships, am I using my words to steal joy from somebody's heart? If I'm destroying that which God has actually intended, am I not representing the devil? If I'm killing, stealing, and destroying relationships with my mouth, have I not become an agent of the devil instead of a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? I mean, I've become a Christian but I'm under the control of the devil. It's a painful thing, but it's true. Because God's word is the gift with a lift. It will always exalt, it will always magnify, it will always bring hope. It will always encourage, it will always see the positive. Because God knows, we know the thoughts that God has towards us. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. But if what you are saying is robbing people of their peace, who are you really representing? Jesus literally had to die. It was in a spiritual death. He had to make a decision to die. What would have happened if he in his last minute said, this is too much? Remember, 
He was ridiculed. He was crucified. He was beaten. And then God the Father withdrew his presence from him. And then he still said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they Jesus, in his deepest and darkest moment of pain, made a decision to forgive. Let me close with this. Let me help you so that you can realign your heart in what God has planned for you. 2 Timothy 2, verse 23. I'm going to read till verse 26. When you're a true Christian and you know what God has done for you, you become that person, whether you are right or wrong, you know you have no right to be offended. As a Christian, you have no right to be offended. Many people are sick because of offense and bitterness. Turmoil in their hearts. Psychology and psychiatry is increasing more and more and more. And it's because of relationships. You go see people because of relationships. Most of the cases, it's very simple. You're offended. You're disappointed. And it makes your heart heavy. And you continue to meditate and think about that. It's increasing more than anything else. You know, I've been there. You know, when I was a young, a young Christian, I had to learn a lot of things. I had to reprogram my mind. I had to reset my faith. I thought stubbornness was a good characteristic of any Christian. You know that's not right. Stubbornness is like idolatry. But I've remembered once somebody said something about a person that was very close to me. And I got so angry and upset. Luckily, there was a pastor there. I said, Pastor, just come here. This was before I was a pastor. I said, Pastor, just come here. Just put your hands on my head and pray for me now because I think I'm going to get so angry. I don't know what I'm going to do. Have you ever felt like that? When you feel like that, run to God. Don't let those things stay in your heart and meditate upon it. Because those patterns start to influence your way of thinking. Then you start filtering everything through offense. If you filter everything through offense, it will limit you in life tremendously. So let me close. You know, when we are being changed into His image and we become more and more like Him, God likes that as well. When you make a decision to kill the flesh, to lay down your own opinion and follow his opinion. God likes that. He didn't say it's easy, but he's here to help us. We're not on our own. So here, some of the things that you can do to align yourself to not become so easily offended. Are you ready to hear it from the word of God? 2 Timothy 2 verse 23 to 26. Number one. Stay away from all the foolish arguments of the immature. Stay away from the foolish arguments. Stupid little things. This is my chair. I sit here. You cannot sit here. It's a foolish argument. Sit around the table. You want some tomato sauce. Now you reach out. You're closer. Now somebody else takes the tomato sauce. Give me the tomato sauce, I was here first. And you fight about tomato sauce. You drive into the mall, you want to park your car, you've got your flicker on, you're waiting to turn, and somebody turns in front of you. And you get angry about a parking. You surrender your emotions to a parking. The parking cannot hug you, it cannot encourage you, it cannot motivate you, but you're angry with the parking. On the way to church... 
how many things upset you. You walk into church, how many things upset you. God, I have expectation if the pastor can just greet me at the door, I know. And now you see the pastor coming and you think, oh, thank you. And the pastor walks past you, doesn't greet you. What kind of a pastor is this? So stay away from all the foolish arguments about these small things of the immature. For these disputes will only generate more conflict, more fighting. Number two, true servants of our Lord Jesus will not be argumentative. Don't want to fight about everything. Don't turn everything into an argument. I'm right, you're wrong. It should be like this. Don't argue about everything. Be at peace and keep your peace. But number three, be gentle towards all. Be kind to all. When people want to fight and argue, a gentle answer removes that wrath and it calms somebody's heart. Don't have an attitude of, you want to fight. Amen? We can stand for what is right, but don't have an argumentative spirit. Amen? It will calm down things. Oftentimes somebody will say to me, you're going to that person, it's going to be very difficult. Then I go see the person, they say, how was it? I said, no, it was fine. It was calm. They said, really? I said, yes. I spoke very calmly and the person spoke very calmly to me as well. Amen? Amen. Especially if you know your voice can very quickly agitate people. You have to almost just talk very nice and calm and relax. Amen? Sometimes when you answer the telephone as well. My wife taught me this. I thank God for that. My wife would say to me, when you answer the phone, put a smile in your voice. Actually, when I answer the phone, I smile. Hello. Because you hear the smile on the other side of the phone. Because our voices are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Otherwise, say, hello. Sorry, pastor, did I find it at the wrong time? No, why? Whoa, whoa. Sorry, I'll call back later. Oh, talk to me. <laughs> Some of you have trained yourself to, because it's your way of defending yourself. So now I say, hello. I say, oh, this is a friendly pastor. Yes. It doesn't always sound like that. My wife had to help me with that. Amen. So that even when you answer the phone, you can sound gentle and kind. Amen. Gentle towards all and skilled in helping others see the truth. Having great patience towards the immature. Have patience with people. When people don't understand immediately, have patience. When people cannot do things as quickly and fast as you, have patience with them. Then with meekness you'll be able to carefully enlighten those who argue with you so they can see God's gracious gift of repentance and be brought to the truth. Can you see when people argue with you, don't argue back. If they want to argue with you and they see that you are gentle, that you are kind, you are meek, it will change something in their hearts. The New King James says that they might come to repentance. That they can, actually, it says that they can come to their senses. Because they're not using their common sense, they're reasoning outside of that. Carefully enlighten those who argue with you so they can see God's gracious gift of repentance and be brought to the truth. This will cause them to rediscover themselves, that they can see who they really are. And escape from the snare of Satan who caught them in his trap so that they would carry out his purpose. When you fight, when you argue, when there is strife, you've surrendered your will to the devil. You are busy with the purpose and the plans of the devil and not the purpose and the plans of God. This is how destructive and dangerous offense is. You have to make a decision to let go of it. Offense is you drinking the poison 
waiting for the other person to die. It's never going to happen. If you're offended, you are poisoning your whole system. And when that poison is in your heart, if you don't remove it, you will start poisoning other people. You will damage relationships. And that way, God has called you to bless people. You're now causing division. The Bible says how beautiful it is for brethren to dwell together. Even the brotherhood, even churches should work together. Because we have the same Christ on the inside. I'm closing with this. The Bible says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. When we do these kind of things, we grieve the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. Let us have a heart of love. Let go of it. Even if people have wronged you, if they despitefully use you, bless them. Pray for them. Amen. Let's start to act and behave like Jesus. God looks right into our heart and He knows exactly what we are busy with, what we are planning, what we are scheming. You can smile, He will see if it's real. You can make a joke and try and cover it up, He knows what's going on. He looks right into your heart. If you say, I want to worship Him in spirit and in truth, let it go. If it's the faith that works through love that's going to bring change into your life, first focus on the love before all the faith, faith, faith. God loves you so much. The good news is He brought a solution through Jesus Christ to help us. As Christ has forgiven us, we can forgive. Forgive people the way Christ has forgiven us. Don't forgive the way that you forgive. We can very easily still stay angry, but we need the help of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon. For more information, please go to our website, www.hoc.org.za. Household of Christ, loving God, loving people.